One of the subjects that I enjoy reading about, learning about, talking about, thinking about is the subject of leadership. Not because I want to just become an expert in the field, but because the study of leadership has some of the most practical teachings about human beings and how we act and how we're motivated and how we change as any field that I'm aware of. And one of the deep down convictions I have is that every single one of us is called to be a leader. Doesn't matter if you have a job title that reflects that or not, every single one of us is called to be a leader. Now a leader is someone who leads and the dictionary says that to lead is to direct on a course or in a direction. To direct on a course or in a direction, that is what you are called to do. Yes, maybe at a company, maybe with a team uh, at your work, maybe in a division, but also with our families, with our friends and our small groups, with our children, with our aging parents, wherever we live, work, and play, the world is meant to be different because we're here. We're meant to have an influence on those around us. And to understand that is to understand that therefore we are all called, whether we're in a middle school, whether we're in a retirement community, we are all called to lead. Now, when I think about leadership, one of the individuals that has certainly influenced me and maybe some of you is Max Dupree. One of the things that I think about a lot that Max Dupree said is this, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. And it's the first part of that quote that I want us to think a little bit about today, that you are called to leadership and the first responsibility of a leader that you are doing, whether you're aware of it or not, is that you are defining reality. Now, what does that mean? I think what Max Dupree is trying to say is, is that in positions of influence, we are determining what is important and what's not, what people should pay attention to and what not, what practices we value and what not. For example, in a team in your workplace, you might be deciding, are we going to have people who are on call seven days a week, or are we going to have a good work-life balance for our employees, and how do we align our practices around that? And in choosing that, you're defining reality. This is what matters. This is what's important. In your home or in your small group, it might be that you're saying, we worship together. This is what we do. We pray together. We have devotions together. This is what we do. This is where we put a flag in the ground. This is the practices. These are the things that are important. That's what Max Dupree says is defining reality. On November 3rd, you and I are reminded about the fact that all of us are called to leadership when we have the opportunity to vote. That is important as our elected officials are, they are not the ultimate leaders in our democracy, but that you and I are. We define reality. We say, these are the women and men that we want to be uh, representing us in government. These are the policies. These are the attitudes. These are the things that we choose. And these are the things that we don't want representing us right now. It's one of the reasons that it is important that each and every one of us exercise the right to vote on November 3rd. We define reality. Every single one of us is called to be a leader. What is the sphere of influence for you? Where you live, where you work, where you play? Why has God placed you there? How do you define reality? 
And one of the challenges for us in 2020 is that with so much that is in flux, that is shifting, that is changing around us, it's hard to know how we define reality. I think that's one of the things that's thrown off for us right now is it's hard to know how we define reality and, and, and what we work toward because uh, so much is changing that feels out of control. There are many, many examples of this that, that are accumulating and causing 2020 to feel so different and so full of stress. Just one is on your screen now, it's a, a headline from a recent Washington Post article saying that a majority of colleges are dropping SAT, ACT requirements. This is for the current high school seniors, for, for the class of 2021. And just take that one issue and the ripple effects of change of trying to figure out reality. I mean, for decades, the SAT, ACT was a bedrock requirement, a foundational requirement to getting into college. There are millions of dollars that we pour into systems, preparing students, preparing uh, ourselves to take it uh, through tutoring, through programs, through classes, through online work. It's this foundation that if we defined reality as getting to college, this is one of the things we work for to achieve that. And all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, it's like, no, it's no longer required. And all of a sudden, it throws us into flux, because if we want to define reality of getting a higher education, then all of a sudden, it's like, well, how are people being admitted? And what are the new requirements? How do we achieve these things? And what are the, the ways that we think about it? It throws anxiety. Is this going to apply to the class of 2022? How about the class of 2023? How is it fair? How does that work? And this is just one, again, of, of countless examples that all of us are dealing with, with how do I lead? How do I define reality? But in the midst of the difficulty, it's also the opportunity. A quote that I've been sent by numerous of you uh, as, as this 2020 and the pandemic has uh, raged around us is the quote by Lyndon Johnson, as I understand it, of never waste a good crisis. I think a lot of people have used that quote, but you never want to waste a good crisis. And the reason for that is, is that while everything's in flux, as hard as it is, now is the time to ask ourselves, are we defining reality in the best way, in the right way? Are the things we're shooting for right? Because now's an opportunity to change them. Take just the SAT, ACT example, just as an example. Now is when you want college admissions people and experts to be saying, does this really show a great uh, example of who's going to be a successful student and who's going to flourish as a graduate of this institution as a result. Is a half-day standardized test, are we putting the right kind of emphasis on it for college admissions in the future? I'm not an expert on that. I don't know, but I do want the expert saying, if we're ever going to change it, if we've ever seen shortcomings with it, now is the moment to redefine reality. It's important for you and I to be thinking where we live, where we work, where we play, where God has placed us to make a difference. Have we been defining reality the way God would want us to? Or is now the moment to reshape it? Now, a few of you might be sitting here right now going, what in the world does this have to do with the parable of the lost sheep? And I think that one of the things I've been wondering about as I read this passage that we need to be aware of is that in this place, if nothing else, what Jesus seems to be doing is to define reality, to say what's important, to say what's central, to say what matters. 
He's saying God's not just this, this thought, this feeling, this spirit in the sky. God's not some austere parent that's just waiting to guilt trip you and quote rules at you until you get it right. That God is a shepherd, Jesus says. God is a shepherd whose heart burns, not just for the sheep, the religious righteous ones, the rule followers, but God's heart burns for each and every person in creation. And that God's love then sends this shepherd out into the fields, into the mountains, searching for this one lost sheep. Not to, not to heap guilt upon it, but to pick it up and to carry it back home and to rejoice and to lead others in rejoicing. It's Jesus saying, this is what God is. This is the heartbeat of God. And therefore, when Jesus is defining reality of God in this way, defining the values of God in this way, a critical question for all of us is, do we emulate what Jesus says is most important? Do we embody what Jesus says is most important. Do you and I have the heart of the shepherd? Are we becoming more like this in our faith walk or not? In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis writes this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. That the whole reason the church exists is to be forming people into little Christ, to have the heartbeat of the shepherd, to understand and to emulate what Jesus says, this is reality. This is why we're here. To think about, to love, to sacrifice for, to serve, not just our immediate circle, not just our immediate family, not just our immediate congregation, but those outside the fold, outside the family, to bridge these divisions. There are a lot of ways that we could ask ourselves, are we growing in this way? But without a doubt, one of the most practical is to look at how we handle our finances. For us individually to ask ourselves, not just our intentions. See, we can listen to this and go, oh, I love that. That's what I want to be about. It's not about our emotions, not our feelings. Our finances is where we can look and say, is that emotion, is that sense of what Jesus defines in reality, turning into practical steps in my life? Am I using my money to think about those outside of the fold? Are we as a church doing so? And as we look at pledging to 2021, this is a critical year for us to understand that when Jesus defines reality this way, it still applies to us. Not too long ago, but it was before COVID and the pandemic, as everything at Covenant was moving up and to the right, I had a member of the church who, when we talked about this idea of being a love letter from God to Austin and, and giving more of our resources and giving more of our time away, they said to me, and it was the exact right question and it was the exact right point, and they said it in a wonderful spirit. They said, I love this. I love how we're changing. I love what we're expressing. I love that we want to be for this city. But it's easy to do right now when things are good. The question's going to be, do we do this when times get hard? Well, now is when we answer that. Because you and I as individuals, as families, you and I as a congregation can do acrobatics to justify why what Jesus says doesn't apply to us right now. But he doesn't give us that out. It's important that every single individual understand that we are asking you to exhibit the heart of the shepherd by thinking outside the walls of just your immediate circles. 
Yes, the, the intention when times are difficult, when there's so much that's uncertain, is to batten down the hatches and say, well, right now we just got to get through this. And then when things are more certain, then we'll start thinking about those outside the walls. Now is the time to double down on what Jesus says. And now is also the time for us as a church to ask ourselves as we build a budget for 2021, does the leadership of this church understand that now is not the time to batten down the hatches, but now is the time to double down on being a love letter from God to the city of Austin, that that is why we are here to have the spiritual principles of taking our finances, of taking our resources, and following the shepherd to become more like what Jesus says life is meant to look like. And I'll tell you as we close that I think there's a correlation here between living this way and the theme of rejoicing with which the parable ends. Because the difficult part in following Jesus this way is not the action, but it's actually the choice. The choice is what's hard. The choice is we sit there and say, well, if, that, if we take tithing seriously, this is, does it really mean that much? I mean, couldn't we save that for college? Couldn't that go somewhere else? Couldn't that be towards retirement? The choice is what's difficult as we think. Is this really kind of applying to us this year? Is, is, is for the church, is this really the choices that we need to make as we build our budget. But if we can make that choice, what we find is joy. Because I've never known anybody that took seriously the call to generosity, that took seriously the call to think about those outside of our immediate circles who ever regretted it with time. I don't know anybody that took of their finances and said, well, yeah, they're children that were able to eat because of, uh, of what we did, and there's hope that people have because of what we were able to participate in, and there's lives that are different in this city and around the world because of what happened, but you know, I just really wish I had bought nicer stuff instead. Looking back on it, I really wish I had just made a different decision and made it more about me. Nobody does that because when we give and when we see the fruit of that, it catches us up in something joyful that's about the transformation of the world. We become a part of something larger than ourselves or, or, or take the budget of this church. As many of you know, we had a, a surplus at the end of 2019 and we gave $100,000 of it away to forgive $10 million of medical debt for thousands and thousands of people in Central Texas, some of the poorest and most vulnerable. We could have done anything with that surplus. We could have bought nicer office furniture for the senior pastor. But at no point, as I've had the opportunity to interact with just a couple of these people and families whose lives have literally been transformed by what we did, did I go, we should have just bought the furniture? I don't know why we did that. I don't know why we made There's a joy that comes when we do it. The hard part is the choice. The joy comes in the living it out. And so you are invited to join with us as we pledge to 2021 to follow what Jesus says life is meant to look like as he defines reality. And we don't just celebrate the heart of the shepherd. We seek to embody it. Amen and amen.